Hi guys, uh, my name is Rakshid. Welcome to another uh, episode of our podcast. Today with us, we have Mr. Ajay Sabarwal. He is founder and president of IYEA, which is Indian Youth Economic Association. He is currently pursuing LLB from Faculty of Law University of Delhi. So first of all, thank you so much, Ajay, for joining and really appreciate it. So uh, can you tell us about the organization IYEA a little more on that and what do you do there? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the Indian Youth Economic Association is a non-profit trust, right? Which primarily focuses on promoting research in economics and related social sciences. Okay. My personal my, my personal role is is uh, limited to the capacity of being a founder and uh, the president. Okay. And this organization has existed. It's a registered trust. Okay. It's existed for um, around nine years now. Okay. We, we started off in 2012. Right. The formal registration and all of that happened a bit later. Okay. Right? But we've been operating since then. Uh, as I said, we focus on research in economics and social sciences, which uh, there's a broad category, which includes largely the humanities as well, to include history, uh, political science, governance, uh, strategy, law, technology, and how these fields have an interplay with uh, the economy, with the mm. uh, areas of finance. Right. And uh, our larger focus is towards the youth. Okay. Uh, because there is often a gap. This, right. this, is one of the, this is one of the principles for us, that there's a gap that's often left from mainstream education, right? Um, whether we look at schools or uh, collegiate level, university level, education, there's a gap in terms of how we are trained to look at research, how we're trained to look at numbers, how we're trained to look at the news, how we're trained to look at the world. Right. So uh, our aim largely is to fill that gap, hmm. right, to prepare students to think for themselves critically. Okay. And uh, in one sense, uh, unlearn at times uh, what's uh, a lot of times taught in classrooms, which is at times incorrect. And um, when we, within this uh, sort of domain, we uh, publish research papers online on our platform, The Agenda. We have um, an audiovisual uh, podcast series right. uh, under the same platform. And we have institutional tie-ups with uh, various universities and colleges across the world, uh, which focus on youth-based activities and training workshops um, in, across different subjects, different areas. And we've held conferences over the years. Some of them include the University of Chicago's conference uh, in 2014, our summit on war and politics in 2016, um, as well as our uh, conference on law, economics, and technology in 2018. Uh, 2019, okay. we had one of our panel discussions with uh, two members of parliament. Again, these are only some of the flagship events okay. uh, that the IYA holds by itself. These do not include other events that we hold in partnership as institutional types with others. Right? So that's, I think, the broad, broad functioning of uh, all that we do at the IYA. Okay, great. We also have an online, uh, we, we also have an online uh, internship mentorship program, which has been going on for last few years. Right? We have a pool of mentors who specifically train students in the fields that they choose to be. Uh, trained in, right, which focuses on research, academic writing, and a specific field 
either economics, strategy, law, or those areas. And uh, these, these people are obviously qualified in their areas, either academically or having professional experience. And uh, these students are given rigorous training over months. And uh, some of them uh, end up uh, writing papers or publishing their content on our platforms as well. Great, great. Uh, so you mentioned one thing that uh, you focus on uh, bridging the gap between the uh, you know, finance world and the youth. So I watched one video of Madhav on your channel, the behavioral finance and the asset allocation one. And I found it really yeah. astonishing that uh, in India, we are getting that level of content because we have, I have seen some videos of Gat Saad on behavioral economics, finance, etc. But seeing someone uh, teaching behavioral finance in India was really a new experience. And I was glad that someone was doing it in, in India. And uh, really appreciate your organization's effort in bridging the gap of finance, economics, law, etc. for the youth. So today we have uh, brought Ajay for discussing the budget. Uh, earlier this week, our finance minister, uh, Nirmala Sitharaman, announced the fiscal budget for this year. And we wanted to, you know, talk some points about that. So first of all, I wanted to ask that why budget is an important statement for everyone whether it's a student or a business owner. And can you uh, tell a little introduction about what budget really is? Right. Uh, I'll get to the first part okay. of your question. It is, uh, why is the budget important? Right. Um, the budget is important in, in two ways, in the sense that uh, at a macro level, it's ultimately uh, about how the government will allocate resources. First, obviously, as to how it will raise resources. Okay. Right? Uh, what we call revenue. Right. And uh, then the second aspect of that is expenditure or how the government will spend that money uh, at what particular areas. How is that going to change? Right? This is at the macro level because... Okay. Uh, Every country, every nation, every sovereign nation has to have a government that runs that country. And uh, for every government to be able to run that, it requires some amount of money. Right. And uh, how they balance that money, the inflow and the outflow, where they spend it, how they raise it, is effectively okay. what the budget is. Right? Okay. It's um, an annual statement of where the government uh, puts its uh, expenditure and its uh, revenue uh, before parliament, right? This is to be passed as a finance bill. And uh, though all bills are supposed to pass both houses of parliament, the thing with money bills is that uh, they only need to pass the threshold of the Lok Sabha where the government's supposed to enjoy majority, right? But we're okay. not getting into the difference between uh, money bills and other bills. Yeah, but right. coming to the question of what uh, the budget, uh, I, I believe that part covers at least what right. a budget is. Right? It's, right. it's an annual financial statement, plain hmm. and simple. This right. is how we're going to raise money. This is how we're going to spend it. Right. I've given you a sense of how it's important at the macro level. Right. Everyone right. would like to uh, believe that, okay, the country uh, is, is running well. Hmm. Um, this is the macro indicator of uh, the Indian economy. And this is what's happening uh, in terms of taking that economy forward. Right? We'd like for the country to do right. well. Right. right. Uh, this is at the macro level. At the micro level, it becomes important in the sense that uh, 
when the government is making these changes right uh, in terms of how they choose to spend or how they choose to raise hmm. uh, how they choose to raise their funds is one of the key factors there is taxation right? Right. taxation comes from uh, either direct taxation on our incomes or indirect taxation uh, we have the gst and and other legislations that help the government raise more funds right so uh, obviously those businesses which deal in particular areas where there is uh, a particular statement made by the finance minister that the particular tax rate on that commodity is going down obviously that good becomes cheaper or you can sort of get it across to the consumers at a cheaper rate right? Right. so that means it'll sort of sell more so that's better for those people who are dealing with that so at the micro level this is how businesses look at it right individuals uh, salaried individuals look at tax labs changing right right uh, there are different deductions there are uh, and exemptions that come into place that are removed every year so people uh, look forward to some sort of benefit coming out of that right right at the same time the government introduces let's say assess in relation to particular goods for a particular purpose says right. always for a particular purpose yeah so that's that is spent on a particular area those people working within that area um, look forward to accruing some benefit out of that that right. there's more expenditure coming from the government in that area so there is there's uh, there are more resources and as a result there's some more benefit so i think that's largely the small stakeholders obviously there's another pool of people who look forward to it at a micro level that is uh, chartered accountants tax consultants advocates right right whose focus becomes uh, to facilitate that entire process and to make it easier uh, for people and uh, on that level uh, people look forward to sort of advice from chartered accountants and tax professionals and and, and advocates as to what is the current standing or how am i going to benefit out of that Right. So on that extremely micro level, perhaps they also look forward to it in that sense. Right, right. But I think that that broadly covers the questions that you had posed, or is there something that I missed? No, no, no. That uh, greatly covers okay. the question that I asked. So tell me that what's this year's main bullet points, or what's the you know highlights of this year's budget was? Sure. Again, again, we we won't be going into the right. details of it. Right? Okay. Yeah. but um if you were to ask my uh, my personal opinion hmm. uh, I, i think a good move is certainly in terms of uh, disinvestment okay. now that that's where government has shown some intent uh, and at the same time sure that intent has been with with governments over the years and with finance uh, ministers over the years uh, yeah. but this year sort of there seems to be uh, uh, active movement um, at least at least going just by the statement we still have to see action in that regard okay. but i believe that's that's a good um, one i'd say it's an ambitious target right all the okay. targets that have been set regarding disinvestment these are ambitious targets but if at all the government is able to fulfill i think that would be a great move right uh, certainly uh, whether we look at um, air india or others uh, the over the years governments have been putting in more funds hmm. not necessarily to be able to get the particular undertaking out of the situation it is in right but ultimately it it's like uh, it's sunk cost and we still keep on sort of putting in more with the hope that okay there's going to be some return out of it right but ultimately but... the more we put in 
there's a compounding effect in terms of the loss that uh, the taxpayer faces, right? And I'm I'm of the opinion that um, I'm of that school of thought. Perhaps I mean, so there might be people who might disagree on this. That uh, it's not the government that gives you anything. Right. When you talk about, okay, the government's giving out handouts, or the government's giving a bailout, or the government's giving out freebies, it's not the government's money to give. Right. Ultimately, it's the money of the people. Right? It's right. the people who pay taxes. Right. Right? It's taxpayer money, and it must be uh, respected for what it is. Right? Uh, and in that sense, I think specifically in the context of public sector undertakings, there wasn't a lot of need for the government to hold on to these institutions sometimes we saw that uh, a particular a particular uh, public sector undertaking has to be let's say let's say they're going through the privatization process there not a lot of bids are invited what do they do they get lic to uh, buy get funds in so yeah. what's happening right? right it's not like the government is letting go of um, the, the burden hmm. It's just transferring from one area to another. Right? So you, right. you can't possibly say that uh, we're moving towards a more robust sense of the government getting out of business. Government just saying, okay, we are running this business. Let's transfer it to another business. Right. And the point right. of LSU, unfortunately, over the years has become just that. Right? Right. Just to sort of cover up for the losses and mismanagement and uh, bad administration. Right? Right. But having said that, this is one aspect and I... I I look at it uh, as a big positive, if nothing okay. else, right? Uh, sure, there have been thresholds uh, that we that have increased as we were discussing earlier regarding the um, thresholds for audited accounts, right? Uh, I think they've been increased from uh, there were earlier five crores and increased to ten crores, right? The requirement uh, if, if you're having uh, about 90, 95 percent transactions digital through which are digital transactions, so that's that's one other, another aspect. Uh, certainly, there is the inclusion of um, the agriculture and infrastructure cess, right, on gold, silver, uh, alcohol, and, and other sort of imported commodities, uh, which obviously, um, also in the case of petroleum products, which would be offset by uh, the duty that's otherwise paid on them. Right. So it's it's not like that will lead to an increase in the price of that product necessarily, but there will be a specific part which will rather than to going the... to the funds goes specifically for the purpose right. of agriculture and infrastructure. Okay, okay. Now, while it would be specifically for that, it's not like government wasn't spending funds for that earlier. Okay. The, the fact that it change is that when we talk about these funds going to, through this cess, the state governments will not have a claim to it. Okay. It will directly go so, to the... Uh, yes, that will directly to the center. Okay. So that's that's one aspect. So there will be a loss in terms of, uh, for the states, uh, if you look at it as a zero-sum game, it's a loss for them in terms of the revenue that uh, they, they would have generated. Right. Right. So that's that's another aspect. Okay. Um, okay. What were you were you meaning to move to another point or no no no? Want me to, so uh, we can we can move to. Uh, it's absolutely fine. No no. So currently you have mentioned that two highlights that firstly the privatization of disinvestment. Yes. Government is planning to you know disinvest is its 
businesses because uh, it's not government's role to you know run businesses i i i Harshi. believe right uh, because uh, it creates a you know uh, dilemma for the government because businesses sometimes requires tough decisions and that sometimes mean lay, laying off uh, employees or you know some things like that and i i also believe that this investment in businesses is a positive step uh so that government can focus on other things which uh which which it's do and the another point yes. made, uh another point you made was that uh audit of companies which which are doing 95% of their payments in digital is now increased from 5 crore to 10 crores uh, turnover so that's a great news yes that will help in ease of doing business because uh, audit is kind of a you know uh tiresome process i believe yes yeah yeah see anyway right like people go ahead with it right? the idea is to sort of anyway maintain accounts and that in but uh, without sort of getting into the specifics in terms of uh, the deficit and all of those aspects right okay uh, so I, there is a claim that okay the government is hoping that there will be 10% or the estimate is that we 10% growth mm-hmm. uh, and uh, to add to that they are also seeing the deficit the 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 estimate is that deficits are also going to go down okay uh, again again my my uh, intent was not to sort of go, get into those aspects because yeah, yeah. i mean these Absolutely. are i believe will be common knowledge and uh, i mean a- anyone who hasn't even looked at it will at least go over these numbers okay. but i think another aspect um, is is in the context of the changes that are coming into the securities law scheme Okay. Now, these are some of the changes which aren't necessarily part of let's say how the government is spending but these are the corresponding changes right because like last year last last year we had those changes within the companies act uh, domain in terms of decriminalization of many regulatory offenses right if okay. you're not filing a particular document uh, you shouldn't be going to prison right sure there can be a, there can be a penalty for it you there can be a slap on the wrist but you shouldn't be sending someone into prison because okay a particular document wasn't filed at a particular stage right it makes so sense. i think that part we had in the companies act i think 2019 okay uh, again there was a series of that coming in through 19 and um, in the context of i, I think it was also in a fair bit of it in 20 I'm, i'm not aware of the exact date okay but uh, we seen something similar in terms of the, i think the the partnership the LL, llp act Right. there are also decriminalizing some offenses pertaining to those as well as uh, i think the securities code I mean, that that's what i think was pitched that uh, there'll, there'll be a mention of a prison securities code and there will be obviously there have been some changes that are being brought into the securities uh, regulation the contracts the scr right in terms of new aspects that can be included in the alternate investment uh trusts which require uh, registration otherwise so these are sort of new aspects which are coming in um obviously uh, it's it's minute in the sense that uh, we don't sort of we'll not sort of immediately see the tangible right. uh, reaction of it but certainly i think we're just providing or the government in that sense is providing a, a regulatory framework they're sort of defining it uh, more uh, aptly or more accurately in that sense because over the years especially the sahara case and the like right, there has been uh, there was at least some amount of confusion in terms of 
how to go about securities okay. regulation and where does sebi's regulate uh, jurisdiction come into play so i think they're just trying to expand it sure the sara judgments have expanded it a bit but mm. they're trying to sort of expand that further and not just in the fact that these are all things that sebi can get into but okay if you're dealing with these things you require registration right, right? how is it or how are these instruments earlier regulated Hmm. uh perhaps there was not sort of a direct answer to that uh not that cb didn't sort of have a more innovative way of interpreting its its uh its jurisdiction but uh, as we saw in sahara case but at the same time i think these aspects are being uh, added which add significantly to the weightage uh in terms of just people carrying out these particular okay. actions right like i said alternate investment trusts and the like so that part is there i think these are uh, uh, quite uh, decent moves that we, we can't sort of get into okay. the fact that these moves are controversial in any sense okay. this is sort of moves in in a particular in, in the right direction right yeah. it, i think it also sends a message that government wants some change that it is looking after it uh, another uh, another thing i wanted to yeah, ask sorry. Uh, is any other highlight you want to mention from the budget that may impact our economy in a way i i think we we've uh, okay. we've covered a fair chunk of uh, okay okay so i will move on to questions so uh, sure. the news today broke that tesla invested 1.5 billion dollars in bitcoin right and earlier mm. this week while the budget was yet to announce the news uh, was spreading that india is trying to ban cryptocurrency and will try to bring its own cryptocurrency so i heard a comment from balaji srinivasan which is who is a venture capitalist in america so he said that in 2008 right the banking system failed us and government bailed them out by our own money so bitcoin and cryptocurrency are a good step in decentralization and it will you know enable uh, the whole econo- the economy as a whole it's the future of how the money will operate and india should look not to try the uh, not to ban cryptocurrency because then uh, it will you know india will lead back in the future uh, what do you think what are your opinions that should uh, cryptocurrency be banned or you know anything you want to say around that okay so um those are sort of two three points there okay i think if you look at the background of the issue hmm. uh, we had the earlier rbi circular right where uh, the reserve bank had uh, in its role as a regulator had told the banking sector that you will not be permitted to or you not uh, authorized to deal with any exchange or any entity dealing in virtual currencies right right now there was a challenge before supreme few court. high courts and ultimately the matter was clubbed together the supreme court and uh, in march uh, the supreme court delivered its judgment and uh, struck down the rbi's circular right now the government at that point had not brought in any law hmm. that is the parliament had not passed any legislation Hmm. this was a circular by the rbi okay and the supreme court is a bench of three judges said hmm. that we have to look at any sort of regulation especially those which are pro- prohibitions that is 
in this case they were saying banking industry just can't deal with anyone who's leaving crypto okay have to be seen through the prism of proportionality hmm. right that you have a certain objective in mind hmm. you want to fulfill it the methods to fulfill it or the means the whatever regulation you are bringing in has to be proportionate okay Again, I'm not getting into the law aspect of it. Right, right. I'm not dwelling deep into that legal principle. Hmm. But ultimately, at that point, because there was no legislation, hmm. and at the same time, Supreme Court had thought that okay, this is an extreme measure. Right. Or the fact that it's a disproportionate measure. Why? Because the government had not banned cryptocurrency. Hmm. Right. Because they hadn't banned cryptocurrency. uh there was no grounds for the rbi to say that okay when you're giving banking services to the entire world hmm. you can't give banking services to people within this small uh group of virtual currency exchanges right right so that's that's the context in which that that judgment came this is uh i think is in march Okay. March twenty twenty. Now, what we're hearing, and this is through the the agenda that at least I think PRS and all of them shared. Okay. Is that there is in talks there is a, and I believe there's also minister minister of state for finance or the or the union minister of finance made statements that they're looking at bringing in a bill to regulate. cryptocurrencies oh. in india and i believe uh, from what i've read and heard hmm. is that the only currency that will be allowed will be one that is officially sanctioned or authorized by the government okay. right which is a digital rupee of sorts hmm. and private cryptocurrencies will be banned right? okay. again i haven't seen the text of the legislation this okay. is only from what we've heard in terms of a short excerpt from okay. prs and uh, other other news out uh, outlets so we don't know how this is going to be framed what is the meaning of private like right. in that sense is it privately owned hmm. because if you define it that way then right. a cryptocurrency like bitcoin is not right, which does not have a centralized ownership right. could not possibly fit into that right however if the parliament is to define it as anything that is not the government currency then obviously everything apart from that digital rupee is going to yeah uh, does not fall under the category of uh, yeah of, of that uh, private currency everything is going to be banned right. now while it's possible for multiple altcoins and multiple cryptocurrencies which are extremely centralized and which are one entity issuing them and which are controlled by small interests but it's possible for the government to sort of let's say go after those particular foundations or organizations that issue those cryptocurrencies it is not going to be possible for the government to go after bitcoin as an right. entity right right it's not possible. there's no one entity that controls it or runs it right you right. have to shut down the internet right <laughs> but from what i've heard is that even owning and keeping cryptocurrencies is going to be banned okay. i believe that some earlier discussions by the committee and earlier variants of some draft said that there will be some punishment attached to that as well okay right that you hold now this is about sort of your average joe consumer 
right? Mm. Who I don't think everyone believes in, right? So there is there's a group of people who believe in the idea that okay, you need to have decentralized money, right. and central banks have been printing a lot of money, and that's why we get into uh, Bitcoin because uh, it's it's in that sense a digital gold, right? That's right. one line of argument, and that's why you get the likes of um, Tesla investing. Hmm. Uh, or let's say uh, micro strategy and 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 uh, those funds investing in the sense that they see it as the future goal, right? Right. as a treasury uh, component hmm. that X amount or X percentage of our treasury will be in Bitcoin, just as governments today hold a significant amount of the treasury reserves through gold, hmm. right? So right. that's one angle. A lot of people. Small consumers who spend, let's say, a few thousand rupees in, into cryptocurrency don't do it. Sure, some might do it with an ideological bent. They're okay, fine. Uh, because of inflation, because of, sort of free printing money, we need some robust uh, money, right? A store of value which is uh, not centrally controlled, which right. just can't be printed right. uh, at the whims and fancies of central bankers. Hmm. But like I said, right, there are people who just want to get into it to make a quick buck. Right, just and say, okay, fine. This is something that goes up because <laughs> of the nature of his structure, right? Some might, and I think it comes from a very uh, understandable heuristic hmm. where people say, okay, cryptocurrency is 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 uh, fugazi, fugazi, pixie dust, right? <laughs> that uh, it's a Ponzi and it's in thin air. That that's a very understandable position, right? right. I, as someone who would be against any sort of banning of crypto or someone who would be sort of supportive of um, sort of blockchain technology and, and utilization of, of uh, cryptocurrencies. I think it's very understandable that people come with that view hmm. for the simple reason that uh, they come from certain experiences. Right. Right. On the face of it, right. uh, it just seems too good to be true. Right, right. And oh, something is going to keep on going up. Oh, so the supply is going to keep on going. Uh, or the rate at which the supply increase is going to be decreasing. Right. Having said that, even without getting into the fact that you'd be making criminals out of people who are just spending hmm. a few uh, rupees to sell, so sell something at a higher rate at a later stage, I think what's going to be an even bigger problem is for the government to enforce a law like that. Right. How is the government, uh, for once I say, okay, you ban all Indian exchanges. Hmm. You don't let them operate. Right? Hmm. So fine. Maybe the kind of uh, exchanges or some wallet service that they offer, people will at some point transfer it to some other wallet. Right. Use VPN. Or the exchanges like before that. they close will perhaps sell it out and will sort of return INR back hmm. to the consumers. Right. But the execution of this requires the government to investigate each and every mobile phone, each and every tablet, each and every hard drive, what's called, I think, cold storage, <laughs> right, right. each and every computer hmm. to be able to see who holds cryptocurrency. Right. Like one way of the government doing it is okay, going to these exchanges saying, listen, uh, give us the records of everyone who's bought and sold. Hmm. And they will happily comply. Right. Right. Then the government can sort of go after them in that sense. But then what do you achieve out of that? <laughs> right. On one level, if at all, I'm not saying this is the only way, but a but a viable way is the government says, all right, 
you're needed to make some quick bucks some of you will even make it hmm. that I, i'm not talking about the sort of fraudster scams where people sort of have these pump and dump schemes i'm not hmm. talking about the people who create their own cryptocurrencies out of thin air shit it out to the public sell and then get out of it right right hmm. I, i'm not talking about that sort of stuff. i'm just talking about people who let's say invested in bitcoin right those sort of common folk okay what the government can do is they say okay fine we're creating this mechanism for you ultimately these very exchanges you can use them to sell your cryptocurrency and post that we can levy something like let's say a capital gains tax hmm right 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 and the government can uh, take its cut out of that in terms of the capital capital gains tax and then move on with it Hmm. but there's a larger problem which i think no government in the world would be willing to accept okay is that ultimately things such as bitcoin are a means to move away the scope and functioning the the sovereign function as we call it right right on some level um, the idea that i control the money supply as a central bank hmm. is a given right just to be taken for granted huh. right that paisa to sarkar hi chhapegi right <laughs> right <laughs> but there is a possible alternative to it hmm right and that is an idea threatens much more than mere tax revenue right right i think it's not on the economic angle hmm it's more on the sense that when we talk about max weber when we talk about the government is effectively what the sovereign is he who has the monopoly over the legitimate use of force hmm. right? and therefore they tax and therefore everything flows from that the idea that there can be a parallel money hmm. which the governments do not control right it scares the government absolutely it scares right. anyone Uh, who is part of or derives their sense of being from that uh, bureaucratic structure You're right having said that having said that it's still I, i do not know right for the very few years that i've been following this hmm. and i've been reading about this i don't know how governments will effectively say that we will be able to demolish this completely hmm because the effective requirement for that would be to shut down the in- internet right right mm-hmm. or you go to every house you go to every building you go to every co- office complex that desires to run a bitcoin node <laughs> you just need one right so i am not even on the fact that okay the merits of it i am very openly saying i'm against against it on merits right i okay. i don't support the idea of banning hmm. cryptocurrency but i am on another higher point <laughs> right i don't think the government can do it <laughs> right 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 so you may you might get a couple of hits who make people suffer hmm. in the sense that they would be forced to sell at some point of time or you seize the wallets that you have on exchanges right but the old school which doesn't even trust that method of exchanges and online wallets and all of that which is in this cold storage or those wallets which are 
not on exchanges hmm okay right people who have their cryptocurrency secured at those places how is the government ever going to come after them right there is no possible way to do that right right so i mean there's going to be hit and try like i said you go to every you go to every place that a bitcoin node or a particular computer machinery has been sold to be able to mine bitcoin or to run a node right but if that is the priority of the government then i'm sure that that we have much larger concerns um to take care of right so i i think that's the sort of key area a uh, sure uh, we had um, tesla revealed through its sec filing mm. that it has invested 1 1/2 billion usd in aggregate terms over the time of uh, sort of purchasing bitcoin and that they're open to buying other digital assets from time to time and they're also willing to accept uh, you're right cryptocurrencies as their payment gateway payment mm. for sale of uh, the goods that they sell Hmm. which they say they might sell or not right in terms of either in cash or there and then or hmm. just keep the currency as it is okay right so that obviously is is in 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 a different context in the united states i think that sec filing is required if that leads to increase in the price okay. as far as the regulation bit of your question is concerned i think that wouldn't have much relation there Hmm. and i've given you my my two bits on uh, right what i believe about the regulatory bit those were some quite insight insightful views i think uh, everyone who must be listening must have their concept cleared about the speculation about the cryptocurrency the news that came so uh, one last question from you uh, yes. so uh, in 2020 uh, uh, some of us discovered or you know some of us you know faced one of the most financial uh, most drastic financial crisis that in our lifetimes because most of us listenings are listening to this podcast must be teenagers uh, 2008 happened but we were kids right at that time uh, economy sank uh, to much an extent now it is recovering so what do you see that um, how will uh, how do you think the next 5 years or next 2 years look after the last year because it was certainly one of one kind of events that happened last year what do you think is going to happen yeah so i think implicitly uh you you've sort of given the answer okay. because you say that in comparison to last year how will the next few years be right uh i i am no maestro in terms of predictions but i'm sure i can see that it will be better than last year right right, right? definitely uh, and 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 not, not getting into sort of semantics here or or being sort of all hopeful but purely from a numbers point of view right? hmm. uh, when the base is so low the the subsequent rise will obviously be a higher percentage hmm. right sure but i think the larger point that i think you also wanted to drive home was uh, when is it that we go back to pre covid levels right. just because we have a high rate of growth, growth in the year post covid right. does not necessarily mean that we are going back to the pre covid pre covid levels right sure that will take some time okay right uh, needless to say there will be areas that will uh, require trust to build up for people to be able to 
uh, spend in those sectors, right? Uh, I think tourism being uh, one of the most key sectors of this kind, hmm. where uh, especially sort of international tourism and 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 the like. So it's not going to be easy for those sectors to recover in the GFU. Right? They're going to take some time because ultimately there is a trust factor. Right? For any 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 sector to develop, there has to be a trust factor from the consumer side. Okay, I'm going to be safe. Right? I'm going to be safe. I remember when we had the terrorist attacks in Bombay, the twenty six eleven attacks. Post that, the tourism sector suffered a similar uh, hit. Okay. Right? Why? Okay. Because. There was a sense of uh, mistrust, uh, right? There, there's a sense of uh, there's a lack of stability mm. or lack of predictability. Funny, right? So these things go hand in hand mm-hmm. as people sort of um, realize that okay, fine, the numbers are going down. There's recovery. People are taking the vaccine. Uh, then people realize okay, fine. Uh, now, now I might be able to let's say travel. Right? <laughs> I might be able to sort of uh, indulge in leisurely travel. And towards, right. Right. and that's why sort of these sectors will take some time to recover. Right? Ultimately, that's the nature. We we very often say that okay, uh, next is going to be better, mm-hmm. but the assumption there uh, always is that okay, um, there will be a fast recovery. Everything or all, all that is lost ground will be recovered next year. Right. right? But that's the thing. Uh, uh, there is there is always a requirement of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have to build up that trust all over again. You have to build up that predictability. You have to build up that stability, and that can never happen all of a sudden. That mm. takes some time. And uh, obviously, I think uh, there have been ample efforts by state governments across the country, by the central government, and, uh, without a doubt, uh, by the medical uh, community, right? Uh, doctors, nurses, uh, everyone working in that area. And uh, once once there is uh, more trust coming back into, and I think that's that's slowly happening right. because the number of active cases has gone down. Uh, if you go by the figures, I'm sure that there's a group of people who just not want to touch the figures either, and which is also understandable. Right, right. Uh, which is understandable. Uh, there, there's always a healthy dose of uh, skepticism, specifically in terms of government figures. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, as as trust builds up. Uh, we, we will be sort of moving towards the path of recovery and hopefully get better than sort of pre-COVID levels. But that's not going to be restricted to just the vaccine. Hmm. If you want a better pre-COVID levels, there has to be more movement in terms of uh, sort of more economic activity, okay. which is not only going to come from the fact that, okay, everyone's vaccinated, everyone can move around. Okay. Ultimately, a strong positive that we've seen is, at least in two terms, one, the process of digitalization, hmm. right? That people can, uh, people have been told, listen, now this job can be done from your home. Right, this right. job can be done through a Zoom call. We hmm. don't need to uh, be physically present. Right. So one thing that's happened is that the move towards work from home or a more digital approach to uh, day-to-day work, that process Sure, it was happening. It was happening before COVID as well. But that has, has picked up pace. Okay. And that would definitely have an impact on the economy. Sure, uh, I think for countries like India, where you have high-skill labor, at the hmm. same time, 
it's it's relatively cheaper in comparison to at least the developed economies. Those um, firms out there will say, okay, fine. If there's no requirement for anyone to be physically present here, right, uh, and the same job can be done by someone sitting in India at, at uh, a relatively lower cost, hmm. right, why not give it a shot, right? Okay. So we're already seeing this in terms of states within the United States, right? Where sort of uh, Wall Street companies, Wall Street uh, firms are looking at shifting out of New York, hmm. uh, when going to even even Florida. Why? Right. Because, uh, they called the mass exodus, right? Profits. Right. Yes. But now they realize, listen, the costs, there's a significant difference in terms of cost. Right. And uh, and once you take that argument to its logical conclusion, uh, a good chunk of that business should be coming India's way. Right, right. So in that sense, but yes, that's not going to come only with vaccines, only with companies realizing, okay, India can do the same thing. Indians can do the same thing sitting at home. Hmm. But that's going to come when we create that environment. Sure, right. the environment is being created. But merely by ticking boxes in the list of what makes it easier to do business hmm. determined by some international yardstick is not how business becomes easier. Okay, right, right. right. Absolutely. At this point, our intention cannot possibly be that we just look at gaming the system or gaming the ranking system, hmm. but to make tangible differences. Right. Okay. So, uh, specifically in the uh, context of the GST, I, I, I often bring this example up that uh, now in the lockdown during this COVID year, there was a significant decrease in economic activity and as a result in terms of the tax collection. Hmm. Right? Right, right. And we've been seeing trends of um, notices being sent to small businessmen in terms of how they invoiced a particular uh, a particular item, right? And it's not just that okay, they're being saying notices in terms of the fact that this is this is uh, a violation of the GST Act. Okay. But the fact that there is criminal penalty for this, and people okay. are being put into prison. That's very sad, right? Right. So the I sure there are times where people, if at all, they have committed fraud whatever the process is, you follow that, right? Mm. But on, you cannot say that on one end, uh, you are trying to decriminalize all of the the civil offenses, so to say, or the offenses under the Companies Act. Uh, and at the same time, you say, okay, now we utilize the GST Act mm. to, to go after the smaller business one, mm. right? That's, that's, not, uh, uh, that's not creating an environment which makes business easier, mm. right? That's uh, just adding stress and you're disincentivizing people right. uh, to invest. Right. And um, I, I think that's that's the key approach because if we want that post-COVID recovery uh, at a decent pace, that is something that needs to be looked at. Sure, people are of the opinion. You have a lot of economists writing every now and then. No, government needs to spend more. Government needs to spend more. Sure, hmm. that argument has to be taken on its own merits. Uh, I'm not denying that there is a requirement of government to spend more. But I think where, uh, this is a place where I might differ with uh, many uh, economists who've been writing. I'm sure there are people on both sides of the idea that there is not just a requirement for um, sort of, okay, there's, there's welfare, certainly. Mm. Um, in India is a country that's developing and uh, there's a requirement for uh, welfare payments or like. But 
ultimately, if you're looking at the multiplier effect, if you want, okay, the government expenditure to have a multiplier effect, and for that expenditure to facilitate economic growth, there has to be investment in infrastructure, right? right? In building infrastructure. So that that's um, I, I'm not I'm not sure of of uh, who the particular uh, author was, but I think just today or yesterday, I think it was the Indian Express or, or the Hindu, where uh, there's a particular focus on the government needs to spend more. This is a missed opportunity. This is a time for aggressive consolidation, but this is not the time. Hmm. I think um, th- there there can be a contrary opinion to that as well. We don't okay. necessarily have to have. Uh, expenditure for the sake of having expenditure right we don't want to supply private investment either hmm. so but, but at the same time so this is a, this is a point which is going getting out of covid uh, there are areas um, where the government uh, will be spending more needless to say but uh, as i said these are my biases this is my personal opinion that uh, the best way for the government is to sort of cut on fiscal deficit sure maybe there can be an exception for times such as covid most mm. certainly uh, and i think that's the point that uh, the author therein has made okay and um, certainly i think again we we are sort of uh, staying away a bit from uh, the broader topic okay uh, no problem yeah right. yeah so i think i i'll just sort of come back we okay. don't have to get into uh, the prudence of fiscal consolidation but yes i think uh, that recovery path will uh, move forward nonetheless i think as to quote mr jinjinwala <laughs> i am also always bullish on india and uh, that's a position i wouldn't stay from okay great great that was a quite insightful conversation with mr ajay i think the listeners must have found uh, much value from the conversation so before going i request all the listeners to do subscribe to the agenda by iyea there there is some amazing content out there and you will love it so ajay any closing remarks or anything you want to share with the listeners no no uh, I, i think i've spoken enough okay. it add bit too much to my side <laughs> no. but thank you so much rakshit for uh, having me here it's indeed a pleasure and i wish you the very best okay thank you thank you very much